Hello, pod people. I'm DA, and y'all really fucked around out here in this pandemic, and now we are back to wearing masks and stuck in quarantine again. So I'm pretty pissed this episode. And welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us. Since we all now have more time on our hands as we are back in lockdown, I've had more time to read comments on the various social media platforms, namely the Twitters. And although many online agree that our nation is attempting to heal the issues of the last four years under the Trump administration, I'm still seeing the same old large accounts spewing the same kind of divisive rhetoric that nothing has or will ever change and that the Democratic Party is not doing enough and simply needs to do more. So in this episode, episode, we will examine if anything has in fact changed since the Biden administration came into the White House and why many of you need to stop bitch posting and hit these streets to save and defend our democracy. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter to be a part of the discussion. Okay, so let's dive right in. So one of my biggest pet peeves are people who can still find something to complain about even though they are essentially getting everything that they want. And when this is done in the political arena, namely within the party, it just feels disingenuous and it is so incredibly unhelpful. Look, I get it. Some of y'all are still pretty salty that your favorite candidate is not president. I get it. Really, I sympathize. Joe Biden was not my first choice. He wasn't even my second choice. Hell, he was nowhere near my third choice. And if you must know, those top three spots were reserved for the qualified women and minorities running for that seat. However, overall, I'm pretty happy with the job he and his administration are doing. When I take an honest review as to some of the policies he has put into place, I can see clearly that he is putting in a progressive agenda and I am essentially getting what I want because what I wanted for myself and this nation was a leader who was going to focus on the needs of those who are the most vulnerable in society and continually strive with moving the country forward toward equity. That is what progress looks like to me. And I know that by virtue of me simply saying this, that the cool kid complainer crowd will deem me not to be a true progressive or some moderate imposter from the right. I say go for it. You are free to do that if it makes you feel better. I am a progressive. The question I have is, are you? So as our listeners know, we like to start out with some definitions to ensure that we are all on the same page. So American progressivism stems out of the period of the late 1800s to about the early 1930s, where there was widespread social activism and political reform. So in modern day America, when one identifies themselves as a progressive, according to Britannica.com, what that person is saying is that they believe in, in quote, strengthening the national government and making it more responsive to popular economic, social, and political demands and quote. Early progressives saw their nation concentrating wealth in the hands of a few, creating massive inequalities throughout their society. In addition, they wanted to address issues caused by industrialization, urbanization, immigration, and political corruption. 
According to the Library of Congress, end quote, the progressives, as they called themselves, worked to make American society a better and safer place in which to live. They tried to make big business more responsible through regulations of various kinds. They worked to clean up corrupt city governments, to improve working conditions in factories, and to better living conditions for those who lived in slum areas, a large number of whom were recent immigrants from Southern and Eastern Europe. Many progressives were also concerned with the environment and conservation of resources, end quote. Sound familiar? Because these are the types of issues that the modern progressive movement is still fighting for today. So this movement was never about who can bitch the loudest and never be satisfied with progress. The movement was about placing leaders in positions of power who will put a plan into place that addresses the most pressing needs of society. And yes, like many of you, I will never be satisfied until our nation has achieved full freedom and equality. And yes, I absolutely do recognize that there will always be more to strive for and work to achieve. I'm not talking to that crowd. That crowd is the crowd that diligently ensures that no one in society falls through the cracks. I'm talking to the crowd that literally has risen to social media fame by letting everyone know that every step towards progress is simply not enough or not good enough or those who can find fault in every little decision that is made even when it is a decision about something they advocated for. Because what I'm starting to see about this particular crowd is that they are more interested in clicks rather than true justice. In our modern social media paradigm, rage tweeting and videos tend to go viral. And I'll just say right now that if you are more interested in the virality of a tweet rather than meeting the needs of this nation, you ain't a progressive and you should stop calling yourself one immediately. Our ancestors didn't arrive to these shores in 1619 and achieve their freedom later that year. I mean, come on people, every movement toward equity took hundreds of years to see sometimes only the smallest of steps. Nothing really happened by chance or overnight. And many of our ancestors knew that they were fighting and giving their lives for a dream they would never actually see realized. Think about that for a minute. In our modern world, we can merely download an app to buy anything we want from houses to sex instantly at a touch of a button. Our ancestors fought for the mere hope of something they knew that they would probably not see in their lifetime. Which means that those who are working to make this nation better, there are things that we will be fighting for that we will not see come to fruition in, in our lifetime. And we must be grateful that we have seen quite a lot. We have been, for the most part, a very lucky generation in this regard because we are the beneficiaries of progress that those who came before fought and died for. And the things that we are still fighting for today, we may not see all of it come to fruition. In fact, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren still might not see the changes from the fights that we are in now, even in their generation. It doesn't mean that we don't strive for it anyways. And it certainly doesn't mean that we scoff at the little steps towards progress that we are making. So let's talk about some examples I am seeing online. There is a notoriously demagogic account on Twitter calling itself Proud Socialist, and the name attached to that account is Ryan Knight. And for listeners that haven't had a chance yet, please review our earlier episode posted in January 2019 entitled Demagogues and False Prophets and the 2020 Presidential Election, and you will understand why I called this account demagogic. 
And Ryan recently posted in a tweet, in quote, the moment that, and he refers to Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, gave Biden an A, and he refers to Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, said that he was exceeding expectations when not a damn thing has fundamentally changed was the moment it was clear that there are no justice Democrats or progressive Democrats. They are all just Democrats. Hashtag Dem exit forever, end quote. Now I know that there are a lot of operative accounts that might be paid infiltrants in the hopes of dividing groups of individuals or continually stirring up strife so that there is no unity. However, let's take Ryan's tweet at face value. It's not lost on me that as a white man, he feels the need to go after two women of color elected to Congress, knowing how hard it is for people of color to be in that seat in the first place and the condemnation that they receive largely from a very male and white racist demographic. A white male who targets women of color attempting to make change is no progressive at all. You are lying to yourself. Also, a white male cannot colonize the space of change and determine when someone is a progressive or not. A white male centering themselves in any movement that works to make this nation better is a man who seeks attention and fame and not one who seeks justice for those most vulnerable. And the statement that not a damn thing has fundamentally changed is completely false and a weak attempt to gaslight the American public. People from vulnerable communities have praised many of the actions that the Biden administration have taken. They see the change. Are you telling me that the tweets of a white male should be given more credence than the words of the most vulnerable in society? Those who have privilege in this society do not get to decide for vulnerable communities what has changed to them or not. The role of an ally is to listen and support, not center themselves and dominate. Another tweet I came across was Parkland shooting survivors David Hogg. Now I'll just say that I respect David and I can sympathize with his frustration on where this nation is on gun control. He survived a mass shooting. It's a deeply traumatic event and where we are as a country on this is frankly, well, we should all be disgusted and embarrassed. However, a tweet he posted recently I found to be annoying as much as it was inaccurate. David said, in quote, Dems have done next to nothing for young people since getting elected. That needs to change. If they don't pass some gun laws, climate reform, focus on permanent student debt relief and more, they will lose the Senate and House and Biden will be impeached, end quote. Let's ignore for the moment the blatant lie that nothing has been done for young people. It's a lie, but let's ignore it for now. Does he mean to say that if the aforementioned issues of gun control right down to student loans are not solved by 2022, then people will no longer vote for Democrats? Really? Like honestly, votes win elections. People voting is what can put people who want to make change in that seat. If Democrats are not elected and they lose the House and Senate as he has threatened, then who does David believe will occupy those seats? They will be occupied by the very dangerous people who continually block any advancements towards gun reform, climate reform, and student loan reform. So without Democrats being elected to that seat, do you believe Republicans will champion the cause? Did they help to solve any of these issues in the last four years when they controlled all three branches of government? No, they did not. In fact, they made things worse and used the power of their offices to exacerbate the problems that we see today. There is a really chilling video of Marjorie Taylor Greene chasing David down because he was advocating for gun reform and the video is just chilling because she is a grown ass woman harassing a child. If Dems lose the Congress, then more Marjories occupy that seat. And what will you think will happen to that progressive agenda? 
And it's not just white males out here loud and wrong. I'm speaking to all these rappers out here as well that are all of a sudden coming out of the woodwork, topping themselves as leaders in the black community. Um, nah. You don't speak for me or this community, many of whom, if we take an honest, nuanced look, have themselves exploited the black community, talking so much mess without the intellectual range to discuss the nuances of our political climate. You may all go and sit down too and reflect on this moment. Reflect on the fact that when you were buying into the very industries that have either excluded and or exploited the black community, how did you help to exacerbate the very inequalities that you now believe you can fly in on a white horse and save us all from because now somehow you see the light and you realize that activism, like most things in our broken nation, is now a marketable tool for the advancement of your image and bank account, not for the betterment of society. Seriously, people. You are very rich and very famous already. You do not need to center yourself in these movements. You wanna be helpful? How about you stop trying to force the community to see you as a leader of the community so you can slap your name on something like it's a fashionable clothing line? How about you work with and empower those activists who have worked day in and day out in these streets, who aren't there to seek the praise and the limelight, but just want a better nation for everyone to live equally? So since the claim that nothing has been done and nothing has changed is floating out there, let's examine if there is any merit to these claims. Let me start by reminding everyone that the black and brown community wanted a woman of color elected as his running mate. We asked for a black woman to be VP and he delivered, making Kamala Harris the very first African-American Asian woman to hold the office of the vice president. Prior to VP Harris, only white males held that seat. And thus, if Kamala Harris is elected to a high office that only white males before her held, then something has indeed changed. A glass ceiling has been shattered. When Kamala Harris was sworn in as a vice president, all the elders in my room had tears in their eyes because they never thought that they would see the day. And Biden didn't stop there because activists didn't stop there. We asked for a cabinet and administration that reflected the American people. And so there were many more notable firsts. Stuart Emmerich, the former editor of Vogue, named a few notable nominations, including Janet Yellen becoming the first woman to hold the position of Secretary Treasury, Lloyd Austin becoming the first African-American to hold the position of Secretary of Defense, and Alejandro Mayorkas becoming the first immigrant to lead the Department of Homeland Security. And there were many more, including Deb Haaland becoming the first Native American to serve as the U.S. Secretary of the Interior. In addition, Dr. Rachel Levine is the first transgendered woman to serve as the Assistant Secretary for the Department of Health and Human Services. So it would be a straight up lie to say that nothing has changed when Biden put leaders from vulnerable and underrepresented communities into positions of power in his administration. In March, only two months after he assumed office, Biden signed the COVID relief bill. And if you think that this is little progress, let me name a few of the things that it provided. For one, $1,400 stimulus checks that went directly to families, extended unemployment benefits, direct tax credits for families and workers, funding for K through 12 education, funding for free COVID tests and vaccines, grants to small business, funding for childcare providers, funding for college and funding for rental and homelessness assistance. 
So in essence, as progressives have asked, $1.9 trillion went directly to meet the needs of people. Literally. That is what we have been asking for. Policies that directly improve the lives of people. And yes, you can gripe that a one-time check of $1,400 is not a lot of money to help the American family. Hell, $1,400 doesn't even cover the average rent in America. Got it. But I'm grateful for something. A reminder that no Republican supported the relief bill. Not a one. Not a one believed that Americans through this most tragic and difficult period deserved to have any assistance to improve their lives. In all fairness, it was the Democratic Party that wrote and signed the relief so that millions of Americans could have some assistance. And speaking of this pandemic, 200 million people out of the 328 million people in this nation are now vaccinated. That is an incredible feat. You want to bitch and moan on Twitter how it's not enough? Go find a GOP politician, a Fox News pundit, or any anti-vaxxer and ask them why they are actively working against the safety and health of this nation, which is getting their followers killed by the dozens. If you honestly have more critique from the safety and comfort of your phone about the administration's rollout rather than for the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers, you ain't a progressive. We see you. And let's not forget that Biden delivered on his promise to unfuck America by reversing many of Trump's racist policies. CNN reported that out of the 60 executive orders that Biden has signed, 24 of them were reversals to Trump's policies. Some of those actions include stopping the funding of Trump's racist vanity wall at the border, ending the Muslim travel ban, putting in a mask mandate on all federal property, providing funding for vaccine distribution and supplies, canceling the Keystone pipeline, ending the federal usage of private prisons, and reversing Trump's transgender ban for those interested in serving in our military. But he didn't stop there. He also ended the cruel policy of separating asylum-seeking children from their parents by establishing the interagency task force on the reunification of families. Now I'll say on this, there is much critique that can go around when it comes to asylum seekers and the way that this nation goes about immigration as a whole. Reuters reported in June that only seven children have been reunited to date. The reason only seven have been reunited speaks to how sinister Trump's child separation policy was. There is conflicting information about just how many children Trump and his administration separated and interned. The Biden administration believes that 3,900 children are awaiting to be reunified with their parents. The ACLU reported the number to be as high as 5,400. To further complicate matters, because of the federal court order that halted the Trump administration from further separating um, children, the Biden administration believes that approximately 2,000 children were already reunified prior to him entering office. So the matter is a complex one, and we all agree that more needs to be done as soon as possible to make the victims whole. But what I want those who identify as progressive to focus on is that at least we have people elected um, to the office who care about the issue and are doing something about it. And what we need to do is get out the vote to ensure that those elected to office continue in their work of making each victim whole again.
So let's talk about the child tax credit that was rolled out in the American Rescue Plan. One social issue that is of a main concern to fellow progressives is poverty, especially child poverty. We believe that all Americans should have equal access to resources that we see as basic human rights. So the administration heard us. Beginning July 15th, families began receiving automatic monthly payments of up to $300 per child. And again, I do agree with the naysayers that $300 is little to no money to raise a kid. I get it, and I don't even have to have children to confirm that. Having children in modern day America is expensive. However, the child tax credit is having a positive effect. Data just released from the Center on Poverty and Social Policy at Columbia University just confirmed that the poverty rate dropped from 15.8% in June to 11.9% in July, which is a sharp decrease of 25%. The decrease happened only after the very first $300 payment. That means that the $300 that some of you are scoffing at lifted families out of poverty in that very first check. Scoff if you like, but these are the types of actions that I want to see and will continue to encourage. And I truly believe that justice begins with making these small steps. So let's evaluate the claim that nothing has been done regarding student loans. So we all know that about 43 million Americans are saddled with a grand total of $1.6 trillion of student loan debt. And that is just sickening and disgraceful that corporations that allocated those loans managed to exploit the American public to the tune of $1.6 trillion. And I am so grateful to progressives, especially coming from the millennial and Gen Z generation who have been extremely passionate about this issue and ensuring that it stays in the forefront. Just know that rectifying the $1.6 trillion in student loans will never be action that any elected official will act quickly on, and this will be true even for your favorite politicians who champion this issue day in and day out. I, like most millennial Americans, want student loans to be forgiven outright because the ballooning of the debt as we see it today happened not from the financial recklessness of its borrowers, but as a result of the exploitation of the loan servicer. And now there are generations like the millennial and Gen Z generation who are essentially shut out of participating in a financially healthy way in this economy. So we have so much work to do around this topic that I do not even know where to begin. But credit where credit is due. We are lying to ourselves if we say that no progress has been made. The Biden administration just approved the discharging of $9.5 billion in student loans, which is reported will help about 563,000 borrowers. And while we all agree that it is a tiny drop in a very large bucket, it is most certainly a step in the right direction. So let's look at policing and racial justice. Again, we acknowledge that a lot more can and needs to be done. That is without question, we are battling 400 years of slavery and injustice, and every delay means another black or brown person will become a victim of state-sanctioned violence. And I agree with the critiques from activists that a lot of the actions taken thus far feel almost symbolic. However, at least we elected leaders who are acknowledging that there is a racial issue plaguing this nation, and that they are taking steps to rectify this. 
The Biden administration directed the Department of Housing and Urban Development to take active steps in ending racially motivated housing discrimination. Remember, HUD is run under Secretary Marsha Fudge, who is the second African-American female to serve in that role. Remember who her predecessor was? Well, let me give you some hints from some of his most heinous comments. In quote, her predecessor said, I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that, end quote. How about another one? Secretary Fudge's predecessor said, and he is referring to fellow Americans in this quote, that, you know, the Americans that he is supposed to be serving, he says that those, in quote, who take the disadvantaged people in our country and say, you poor little thing, I'm going to give you everything that you possibly need. That's not helping those people, and all you have to do is look what's happened since the Great Society programs of Lyndon Johnson. We've spent $19 trillion, and we have 10 times more people on food stamps, more people in poverty, more broken homes, out-of-wedlock births, crime, incarceration. He just keeps going on, guys, but he follows it up with, that's what I call stupid, end quote. Did you all guess who it is? That's right, Ben Carson. Ben Carson, who is arguing in that quote that attending to the needs of those most vulnerable is essentially futile and stupid because it hasn't helped anything. Yep, take all of that in. Trust me, you don't want to go back to that. So going back, other steps that the Biden administration has taken to combat racial injustice is that he has directed the Department of Justice to end private prisons, and I think I mentioned this earlier. He has reaffirmed his commitment to the Native American community when it comes to tribal sovereignty. Secretary Deb Haaland has created the Bureau of Indian Affairs Unit to investigate thousands of unsolved missing and murdered Native and Indigenous people. And the Biden administration also signed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act in response to combating the rise in violence against the Asian community. So all in all, I say all of this because through the noise of pundits and naysayers, I think it is good to reflect on where we are now so that we can prepare for where we are going as a nation. And we need to be honest with that assessment. We cannot be fickle because we have our democracy hanging in the balance. If we punish those politicians willing to make progress by dismissing their efforts only to remain strangely silent when another party who is less concerned with the needs of those most vulnerable, what message are we sending our elected leaders. That it's better to be self-interested and uncaring because it won't matter anyways, humanity will never be satisfied? Look, Joe Biden is not a progressive. I think it is safe to say that. I don't remember a time where he has declared himself to be so, but I don't need him to be. None of us do. All I ask from my leaders, regardless of their political affiliations, is that they prioritize and focus on the needs of those most vulnerable in our society and to help move the country forward towards equality. And no, Joe Biden is not our savior. No, he cannot achieve all of the changes we wanna see in eight years. No president can. Do you honestly believe that 400 years of oppression could magically be wiped away in eight years. Come on, people. There is no app to, to download where you can instantly make this nation more freer and equal. Sorry. And be honest with yourself. If the role of president was given to you and you had to sit in the seat of the highest office, do you believe that you yourself could solve all of the needs of the people in this nation within four years? No. Then why are you holding anyone else to this impossible standard? 
because I'm all for holding the government accountable and pushing for more and greater progress. But some of you out in, in the influencer space who built your careers off the critiques and rants you post on social media, can you please use your time more wisely by encouraging everyone to vote? Midterm elections are around the corner, and if you truly want this nation to progress forward, we are going to need to hold the House and Senate. So we are going to need everyone in these streets ensuring that people have access to vote. Instead of ranting day in and day out that Democrats ain't doing nothing from the comfort of your house on Twitter or whatever platform that gets you the most clicks, how about taking that energy and screaming at every state legislature that is actively trying to suppress our votes Texas, with the help of the Supreme Court, just restricted the right of women to access abortion care and choose for herself what to do with her own body. You want to rage because you got the time? Get you to the front of the lines and scream away at every politician and demagogue who would take away the right of a woman to choose. You got some pent up energy for posting to social media? Nah, get that energy out by registering more people. White allies that believe they have the authority to speak on behalf of vulnerable communities? How about instead of wailing at the Democratic Party for what they are not doing, how about instead you ensure that all of your white family members are on board for racial justice? Take that energy and call a family meeting and make sure each member of your family votes for justice and equality issues. Identify any members who may hold racist sentiments. Figure out if you got any anti-vaxxer members lurking around and help them go and get vaccinated. It could be life-saving. Make sure all of your family members who can get vaccinated are vaccinated. Overall, we will need everyone on one accord to hold the Congress. This doesn't mean not critiquing and debating issues, but if you call yourself a progressive, then quit standing in the way of those who are working to try and make progress. This is not about you alone. And if you call yourself a progressive, then you owe it to yourself and those who listen to you the truth. Saying that nothing has changed is a bold-faced lie, and gaslighting is a right-wing conservative demagogic tactic that no one who calls themselves progressive should associate themselves with. Like I said before, we see you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Millennial Edition. Y'all stop fucking this moment up and prolonging this pandemic. Quarantine is overrated and I want all of us to have our lives back. So go get vaccinated, please. Continue to wear your mask in public to protect against these mutations. And I look forward to engaging with you all soon.